King David is bringing the offerings of the children of Israel to the building of the temple. And it's a glorious day. David has worked hard. In fact, David has been very thorough concerning the preparations for this day. Look at 1 Chronicles 29, verses 5 to 9. David asked, Now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work, they gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite. The people rejoice at the willing response of their leaders, for they have given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. So the first principle that David understood that day as the offerings poured into the storehouse, as the people gathered to gather their gold, their silver, and all their precious metal. So David understood, and you know it's God gives. God is the giver of all gifts. It is God who gives, and none of the gifts that were pouring into the temple that day were from man. Rather, it all belonged to God. They came from God, and God gives. We sing in that hymn, We give you but your own any gifts we bring. All that we have is yours alone, a trust from you, our king. So David tells us that the first principle is that God gives. In the biblical sense, you have everything you need to fulfill God's plan for your life at this moment. You do. God gave it to you. God has given. You may have natural reactions when you hear that statement, though. You're thinking of all the things maybe you don't have. Or you're thinking of all the things that you feel very ill-equipped for. But in a biblical sense, you have everything. You have everything you need to fulfill God's plan for your life at this moment. And we're not talking about next month or a year from now. But for what you need to fulfill God's plan for your life, you already have been given it by God. Now, people will often say, Pastor, if I could just win the million-dollar lottery, I would do some great things for the church and for God. And we're always looking out there into the future, saying, if I had this or if I had that. But the message today is that God gives. As David discovered for the offering for the temple by the children of Israel, God gives exactly what you need for this moment. And he's not going to ask you to do anything for which he has not provided the resources for. See, this is not a what-if game. Today it's a what-you're-going-to-do-with-what-you-got game. Principle number one, God gives. 
Now, what part of that principle do you have trouble understanding? We're going to look at three parts about God and about his giving. Part one in your notes, God gives, first of all, his power. If we're going to understand something about a giving God, the first thing we need to know is that God is a God of power. In other words, there are things that God must do simply because we cannot do them ourselves. So look at 1 Chronicles 29, verse 12. David says, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are the strength and the power to exalt and give strength to all. Looking at 1 Chronicles 14. So David and his men went up to the Baal Perazim. And there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. Here we hear of the awesome power of God on behalf of his own people. It is not our tendency to take resources and try to work them out the best of our personal ability. In fact, we can become very fleshly, totally dependent on ourselves and all of our strivings. Sort of like the church in Galatia, to which the Apostle Paul was writing. Look at Galatians 3, verse 1. He writes, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So you Galatians started out with the Spirit. Now you're what? You're striving according to the flesh. So like the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. There's a phrase in stanza three that says, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. But stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. So put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger be never wanting there. See, God gives. God alone has the power to give. So hymns are great in theology. And once we understand that part, we can stop hanging on to our possessions for our security and for our worship. Part one, we say God gives his power. Part two in your notes, God gives us provision. So God gives his power, number one. Number two, God gives his provision. Look at 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 to 14. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. But who am I? Who are my people? That we should be able to give as generously as this. Because everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. See, David is convinced that as people are able to give and do these great acts of worship only because God has provided for them in the first place. First, God gives his power. Secondly, God gives his provision. So on the back of your notes, God will never ask you to do anything. God will never ask you to be anything. God will never ask you to give anything that God will not, first of all, provide for you. What a lesson that is. When God asks us to commit ourselves, we sometimes get a little nervous. 
This is a common scenario when your pastor or church leader asks someone to teach a Bible class, to join a board, to help with a project. It's a very common thing that we get a little upset, a little tense. But that's so natural. We've all been there. But then we must remember. Remember that God never asked us to do anything. And God will never ask us to be anything. And God will never ask us to give anything that God would not provide for us. See, God's calling is God's enabling. God's leading is God's providing. God's directing means that God is going to provide the resources for us. Sometimes we look at our stewardship as if it were somehow based upon man-made resources. And we start biting our spiritual fingernails. Paul was worried about that also. But God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, God was saying to Paul, you do not need to worry about your resources. I have provided for you. You know, when one is preaching, there's a principle that you don't use superlatives continuously. Because nothing is great if everything is great. But when you look at how the Bible talks about our God, Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, for he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. So when you start talking about God, you have to use superlatives. See, God's pardon is abundant and freely given. Looking at Ephesians 3, verse 19. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Looking at 2 Corinthians 9, thanks be to God for his indescribable gifts. And John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, Jesus says, kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and there's a comma, and to have it to the full. You see the comma there? Jesus talks about having life comma, then he adds, and life to the full. That's the abundant life. So I ask you, which side of the comma do you live on today? Do you have just life? Or do you also have life to the full? Are you just living? Or do you have abundant life? You see, God is the giver. God provides. In God, there's a love that cannot be fathomed. In God, there is a life that can never die. In God, there is a righteousness that can never be tarnished. In God, there is a peace that can never be understood. A hope that can never be disappointed. A light that can never be darkened. A happiness that can never be interrupted. A strength that can never be enfeebled. A purity that can never be defiled. A wisdom that can never be baffled. But most important, in God, there is a resource that can never be exhausted. You see, God gives the power. Number two, God gives the provision. In your notes, number three, God gives his partnership also. God gives his power, his provision. He gives us his partnership. That means I can be spiritually linked with God as a partner. Partnership with God. In other words, God gives, first of all, that we are able to give from his resources. 
Well, that's a one-sided partnership, and it's all in our favor. I don't think I even deserve this. God provides all the resources. All the goods come from his storehouse. All the wisdom comes from him. I'm just a partner. Look at what David says about this partnership. Look at 1 Chronicles 29. But who am I, David said, who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for the building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand. All of it belongs to you. So how can we experience this partnership? It starts, first of all, simply with God giving. Nothing happens until God gives first. So in your notes, God gives through me to others. The partnership is that God gives to me so that I can pass on to give to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. And in your notes, then God gives through others to me. Nothing happens until God gives. When God gives to others, it's also to pass on whatever he has given to others as well. God's principle of giving, giving his power, giving his provision, giving his partnership, is so that we can become a river. We're not to be a reservoir. We're not to be a swamp of stagnant water. Jesus tells us that we keep, must keep what we keep for ourselves. What we do not pass on to others, we will begin to lose. The moment I dam up the river and keep God's blessing given to me, keeping them for myself, at that very moment, I begin to lose them. See, we are blessed. We are blessed to become a blessing to others. So in conclusion, in your notes, part one, from God's power, I see God's ability to give. Since God is the giver, God has the power to give to us. Part two, from God's provision, I see God's willingness to give. It is one thing to have the ability, quite another to have the willingness to give. When God gives to us, then we have the ability as people of God to also give to others. As God's people today, we can show our willingness to give. As God so willingly loved us, gave his only son Jesus to suffer and die on the cross for us. In Jesus, we can see God's willingness to give. And in your notes, part three, from God's partnership, I see God's reason to give, blessed to become a blessing. And that's the most important truth for us today. God loves us and gave himself for us, that we as partners with him, we can now pass it on. We give because he first gave to us. So repeat after me, what you're going to do? Repeat after me, what you're going to do? With what you got. Amen.